Kelly Wynn works for Hertfordshire Police between 2001 and 2019. However, while she was a detective sergeant, having worked on units such as domestic abuse and child exploitation, she was diagnosed with cumulative PTSD in 2016 due to a number of traumatic incidents that affected her brain. Kelly knew she needed to leave the police for the sake of her own mental health, but also knew she wouldn't leave unless she was her own boss. In her words, there was no way she was ever going to work for someone else again. Kelly ended up actually adopting a beagle called Daisy to help with her PTSD. Daisy came with a number of problems though, and Kelly couldn't find a dog trainer who would take her seriously because she had a beagle, and that was where her business idea was born. Kelly now helps other beagle owners with their dog's behavior problems, and Kelly is also a shifts to success client and friend from cohort three. Kelly's business has gone from strength to strength, and she has not looked back, amassing a huge social media following and clients from around the UK. Her own daughter loves the fact that Kelly has now left the police, and she now predominantly works from home, and she can take her daughter to school and pick her up every day, including tucking her in for bed at bedtime. Kelly quotes, she really does have work-life balance now, she's in business full-time. This episode was recorded in January 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, Kelly Wynn. I don't know how to describe it really. Um, it's fulfilled a part of my my um, personality that I've always always needed to to work with, which is why I joined the police. You know, helping people. Um, so this definitely fulfills that need that I have. Um, but the difference is, is that I'm dealing with positivity 99% of the time. Mm. Um, whereas in the police, I was dealing with negativity 99% of the time. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, oh my God, I can't even describe it as the best thing in my life. I actually put a post on my page and my group yesterday saying I have the most awesome life ever. Oh, <laughs> The Shifts to Success podcast, a show about business, entrepreneurship, and the people who've made remarkable shifts in their lives. So what I'd like to start off by asking all I guess, Kelly, is where are you from and what was it like for you growing up as a child? Was you academic? Was you you a naughty? Was you a rebel? What was that like for you? (laughs) Well, I certainly wasn't a rebel and I wasn't academic, Um, but I grew grew up in um, a a place called, well, we call it Burnt Oak because we're from like Cockney Town, Um, but... uh, I went to I went to school. I wasn't particularly massively into school. I didn't like maths or English or anything like that. I was a very more of an artistic kind of person. I'm a bit of a free spirit, um, and I had no intentions of ever going to university. It just wasn't for me. My mum and dad, I think, were pretty pleased because it saved them a lot of money. Um, but uh, yeah, I was a quiet child. Um, I was quite. I'm an introvert, so I was quite shy. Uh, I quite like to read a lot. I spent a lot of time on my own. I did have friends, but I preferred um, I preferred my own company, which I still do to this day. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, so I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life when I left school. So I just kind of fell into into like rubbishy jobs, really. Um, yeah, they were. They were rubbish. I mean, I, I started off in mother care of all places. Um, wow. yeah, I was a sales assistant from about 16 to 19. Um, that really was uh, soul destroying um, because uh, people would just drop their kids off and think it was a creche and then go shopping. <laughs> I ended up having looking after people's kids. Um, and then I kind of decided I needed to find a career. Um, so I went into banking. Um, I went in, I, I worked for Santander or Abbey National as it was back then. Um, but that was a very sales driven environment. So it really wasn't, it wasn't massively for me. Um, I then worked for a computer company for a little bit. Um, and where else did I work? Oh, and I worked for an insurance company. So I kind of, I kind of flitted around for a mm. long, long time until I got to about 26. And then I was like, you know what? I've really got to do something with my life. Mm. Um, and I'd always thought about joining the police. I have no idea why, because other than the fact that I love to help people, it was, it's always been in my blood. I've always loved helping people, but I don't know why the police, because obviously as a shy person, that's not really the best job to go into. <laughs> but um, in those days, we the bill was on and I used to watch that avidly and thought I'd like to do that. Um, obviously, reality quickly uh, kicked in when I joined. Um, but yeah, so 26 was when I actually finally joined the job. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. So a lot okay. older than some people. Great. Okay. So you've, you've been through quite a lot, you know, you've, you've worked for mother care um, <laughs> in the banking industry, yeah. um, the computer company and insurance. Um, yeah. There's quite a change from, you know, um, the, the police. You mentioned the bill. Was there anything mm. else that inspired you? I know you just mentioned love helping people. Yeah. Was it, you know, was it because it was a non, um, you know, looking at insurance and computer mm. and mother care and Santander, was it, was it just a, a different change? You wanted something new? Yeah, I don't, you know what? Even from a, a small child, I'd, I'd always liked the idea of being a police officer. I think there was kind of like a bit of the camaraderie and the friendship, the family thing that you got from it as well. But also, I did want to be able to help people and I wanted to be able to help them when they were going through probably some of the worst situations they could possibly do could possibly have in their life and mm. um, it wasn't all about arresting people for me it was about the the feeling of being able to make people's lives a bit easier for them so that's that's why I decided to do the police because you know ambulance service you needed to be quite academic and I certainly wasn't fire service back then hardly took any females at all and it was quite a, a really hard um uh, service to get into so police service seemed like the the right step and I also thought about armed services because if I didn't get the police I was thinking of joining the RAF as well because I'd done a bit of um cadet work uh, cadet stuff when I was younger so and I think maybe I quite like the idea of um not I wouldn't say authority but that whole structure I quite like mm. the like a, a structured way of living mm. um but also having a job that gave me something different every day. Mm, amazing. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And with regards to, you know, joining the police at 26, um, mm. did you know from then you wanted to climb the ranks with that structure? Um, what kind of roles did you do? Um, 
I probably at that at the very beginning I had no intention of of climbing the ranks. Um, I, I'm probably people are going to probably hate me for saying this, but um, I actually wanted to be a traffic officer. <laughs> um, but thankfully I never did that because um, I kind of quickly cottoned on that that probably wasn't the right um, avenue for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually um, I, I'm going to I'm going to be honest. I absolutely loved my job. I loved it um, from probably for I joined in 2001. Um, right through to probably I would say about 2008 2009 absolutely loved it I was a PC on shift um, in St Albans for uh, a good seven eight seven or eight years Um, and in that time I actually then decided to get promotion to sergeant purely because there was some utter shite sergeants out there. Um, and I had a couple myself uh, who were awful managers, you know. Um, uh, so I thought, you know what, um, whether that's big headed or whatever you want to call it, I thought I could do a better job. Um, because of my caring side, I wanted to look after my team as well as obviously um, guide them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I so loved that. Uh, it was, um, it was such a lovely role to have because people have problems. Like on oh, my col- my colleagues would have problems, they'd come and I'd help them with those. But also that I'm very good at decision making and I'm very good at making fast decisions really quickly, which is one of the things that used to frustrate the life out of me by other sergeants that I worked with. So I enjoyed that. Um, And then I became a custody sergeant, which uh, in those days was very, very small suites. So I had uh, about 11 cells that I used to look after, uh, again, in St Albans. Thoroughly enjoyed that job as well. I had one um, detention officer and we had an absolute blast. It was just brilliant. Um, And then things started to go downhill for me, probably around 2008, 2009, when the cuts came in from the government. where I used to have 15 officers on shift. Some days I was only parading four. Uh, So the stress of it was just ridiculous. And then they shut my custody suite and moved me to what they call a super station. Mm -hmm. And I I went from 11 cells to 30 in less than 24 hours. Um, And it was just unmanageable. Um, And that's when I first started to struggle with stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. so I went to my boss and I said if you don't get me out of here I think I'm probably going to kill somebody <laughs> um so he did and in those days it was very very different to what it is now you know if you wanted to move into a, a, a non-uniform role you were moved if your face kind of fitted it was that kind of thing you could move now you've got to take boards and all sorts but I got moved really quickly to a, a non-uniform position um where I converted my my PS to a DS um, and I did uh, roles such as I worked initially on case investigation team which is just a, a, a department that deals with the shoplifters and common assault and bits and bobs I then moved to a domestic abuse unit I worked on um, child exploitation units um, I worked a lot of safeguarding jobs I did so things like um, child pornography that kind of thing and all of that eventually took its toll on me because I saw the worst of humanity and I saw the worst of of how people could treat one another um, and and then, and then back and then sort of around 2016 I kind of fell apart 
and that was when I was diagnosed with something called cumulative PTSD, which is basically where uh, it's not one single event um, that causes it. Uh, it's a it's a it's a cumulative effect of trauma, um, which your brain finally goes uh -uh, no more. So yeah, so that's where I got to about around about then, and wow. then I was like, I can't do this anymore. I've got to find something else to do in my life. Wow, uh, that's that's mm. amazing. Thanks for sharing that. And you know, um, with with regards to the different role that you had and um, the things that you saw within those roles that developed. Um, you know, the condition of, of PTSD, um, you know, how long was you in that role for on, until, you know, this started to develop and did you feel it creeping up on you or was it like one day you woke up then it was like, wow, this is, you know, mm. I feel different. Mm. Um, I think I'd had it for a really long time, probably a few years before I was finally diagnosed because I would have bouts of time off for what I would call work related stress. So mm. um, I would, my brain would just finally just almost like fall over it's like um someone who described it as a a bucket and um eventually when it tips over you just you know you can't handle it anymore so i had i had probably about three or four of those where i hadn't i would have anything from like two weeks to i think the longest i had off was about three months um but when i moved to the domestic abuse unit which was around 2016, the beginning of the year. Um, I unfortunately also lost a very dear friend um, uh, to cancer and I just started to get really angry. Uh, and that's when I knew something wasn't right because I, was, I would be dealing with domestic abuse stuff and I'd literally be going, why are you alive? But my mate's dead, you know, I'd have mm. that whole... So I knew something wasn't quite right and that's when I, I sort of self-referred to OHU and then they referred me to an in-house counsellor who then said, I think you've got PTSD. So I went to my doctor who then referred me to a trauma counsellor um but the police paid for that which was which was good mm, okay and i'm assuming is, is this one of the reasons why you you know started to look for an exit route and one of the reasons mm. why you thought about business oh yeah absolutely i i was I'm, i've always been very self-aware always um know myself um i i'd gone through postnatal depression with my first child my only child <laughs> um mm. So I knew that things weren't right. And I knew that I, my brain was saturated. There wasn't any, any part of it that I could actually um, carry on doing policing. So they finally moved me to a non-facing a non police, uh, a public, sorry, non-facing public unit. Um, and then I just thought, I can't do this for the next 20 years. This is soul destroying. Um, all I was doing was reviewing cold cases um, and I didn't enjoy it and and I was just like I can't do this but you know they changed the pension scheme it, it meant that instead of me retiring at 56 I was going to probably have to do another 10 years mm. but <laughs> I was no way on God's earth I was ever going to work for anyone ever again you know I'd had so many different bosses in that time that I just thought I, I can't have anyone tell me what to do anymore I just can't do it I was I was in my early 40s and I was just like if I ended up with a 20 year old snot-nosed idiot I'd probably end up punching him or something so <laughs> I was just like no um, uh, the only way I'm ever leaving this job is one for something that I truly love mm -hmm. and two 
um, for myself. I needed to work for myself. And I, uh, but that scared me because I had no clue. I'd been a police officer. You know, I got my salary every month. My tax and insurance was paid. Um, and I didn't have to worry about where the money was coming from. So thought of going self-employed did scare the crap out of me a little bit, to be honest. Okay. Uh, yeah. So when you, when you was actually having these um, thoughts, um, when was this? What year was this? Um, I it actually, funny enough, when I think back, it probably was a couple of years before I was actually diagnosed with PTSD. So I would say around 2014, okay. that was when I came out of the pension um, because I needed the extra funds to be able to try and go part time to try and build a business. And at that point, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, but I knew I needed I needed to do something and and persuading my husband that this was a really good idea was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done um, because he's very logical and like oh there you know our money comes in every month and mm-hmm. we pay our bills and you suddenly want us you want to go self-employed I was like yes please and mm. um, so eventually he agreed uh, mm. but yeah I started um thinking about what I wanted to do probably 2014 yeah amazing okay and you mentioned part-time so did you mm. from 2014 to now mm. um did you go part-time initially or did you leave completely or yeah so I did it in stages because me personally I'd have handed my notice in, in 2014 <laughs> but yeah. my husband was like we've got a kid we've got a mortgage no 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 so um what I did initially um I I started looking for things that I wanted to do so I trained in holistic therapies I painted I did craft fairs I and then I started doing editing work um, so, but not all of those there, I loved elements of it but I didn't love it completely and I was just like I'm not leaving the police unless I completely love what I'm doing mm. so I then eventually um, got to a point where um, my editing funny enough was actually making me a lot of money was actually making me quite a bit of money so I then asked for a work-life balance and because I was in a unit um which wasn't really policey and I was obviously deemed as mental they um they decided they would let me have it so it gave me an extra day off a week for me to concentrate on the editing but at the time I wasn't massively into that either um but yeah and then I eventually um I mean when I eventually found what I did want to do with my life I took a, a, a year career break um so kind of like unpaid leave mm-hmm. uh again purely for my husband not for me I'd have resigned back then yeah. um we uh we did um and and I want to I want people to know that you know we did we did take some money out of our um, house to support mm-hmm. that move so we took out half of my salary from our from our mortgage because I, I was earning half my salary at the time mm-hmm. um and then uh, once I'd done my year career break, which finished in September 2018, um, I resigned. And it's the best thing I ever did with my life. Wow, yeah. wow. Mm. That, that is, uh, that's phenomenal. So it's 2018, you took the plunge. And what I yeah. love about that is, you know, I, I believe, firmly believe that entrepreneurs, great entrepreneurs are resourceful by nature. Mm. And um, when we want to make a decision, we have to look at around us to see what resources have. And mm. remortgaging your house is, mm. is a great actual resource. Mm. Um, yeah, it was. That, that is, you know, a phenomenal kind of um, probably a lifeline for you to be able to change your life, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And 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 what I, I, I think people don't realize was that it didn't actually um increase our mortgage repayments by much 
So I think, I think it was like an extra 60 pound a month for us wow. to take out half my salary. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm always saying to people, you know, if they want it, oh, I can't afford it. I don't, I don't know where to start. I'm like, take out your mortgage. <laughs> and then and they're like, you're nuts. I'm like, no, no, no. It's just going to completely revolutionize, you know, change your life. But, um, I don't think people are as gutsy as I am, I suppose. Yeah. I, and, you know, yeah. I, I think, um, I think it's a phenomenal strategy and, um, yeah, it's otherwise you've got money tied up in bricks and mortar mm, when actually yeah. that money could be out there producing more money for you. So I think yeah, yeah, that's a phenomenal, phenomenal strategy mm. you've done. Um, mm. so in 2018, you've now mm. left, um, mm. you're free from, uh, the job you're unhappy mm. and the reasons you've, you've made that decision. Um, mm. that next day, you know, you don't have to go into work. What was that like? <laughs> oh, wow. It was just a weird, surreal feeling because um, I remember the last day I walked out. And because for me, um, I, I knew that when I went on my career break, I was never going back. Even if my husband didn't know this, I did. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so when I went on my year career break, that was my last day. Mm. Um, and it was just weird because there was no fanfare. <laughs> you know, there was no, there was no streamers. There was no party. It was just um, another day of me just leaving, getting in my car and, and, um, and going home. But um, even back then, even when I went on my career break, it was, it was just, I remember the first day I was walking with my dogs and just thinking, oh my God, this is amazing. I can't believe I haven't done this sooner. Um, I just, yeah, it was, it was an amazing feeling. And then the day that I actually, um, the last, funny enough, really weirdly, the day that was my last ever day in the police. So I was out, but I was obviously, I had a notice period. Um, I almost forgot that day because I'd been out of the job for over a year anyway. When that my final day came, actually my husband said, he rung me and he said, how are you feeling? It's your last ever official day. And I was like, oh yeah, it is, isn't it? And I was just like, oh well, that's how much it means to me. But yeah, it was, um, it was, it was a, a bittersweet moment because obviously I did love it to start with but towards the end I was just like no 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 um if I don't get out of this job my my mental health is going to really deteriorate yeah okay and and you know well done for that you know I completely agree on on doing that I think a lot of people um or too many people sacrifice from any job um sacrifice their health yeah. uh, for a career and it's not a it's not a good place to be um with regards to leaving the job, um, mm. did the, you know, how was that? Did they send you like a, a certificate or anything? <laughs> what, what was that like? Oh God. Right. So I've given 18 years of my life <laughs> to this job. I've given them my mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and I got in the post a, uh, a five, a uh, bit of, bit of, um, cardboard, which was crinkled, mm -hmm. um, saying, uh, Kelly Wynn, um, uh, uh, served between these dates, and that was it. Nothing. It wasn't wow. even in a frame. It was nothing. Was there a call um, from anyone? Like no, a... no, nothing. Not even a, not even a phone call. I mean, I, I, the first I knew that HR had accepted my resignation was about two weeks later, when I got a, a letter through the post from the pension company telling me what my pension was because I'd left the police. Mm. Um, and then I did get um, uh, a questionnaire come through asking me if I would complete it, but it wasn't from my home force. It was a government thing. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I don't mind. Oh, do you know what? I'm not even going to entertain this. It's just a complete waste of time. I mean, I'd, I'd been tirelessly 
um, uh, beating a drum about mental health. I'd been doing, um, what do you call it, uh, one-to-ones with um, managers to try and highlight mental health, to try and help them pinpoint it in themselves and in, in their staff. It all just fell on deaf ears. So, yeah, I didn't even get a call from um, anybody, not even my line manager, nothing, mm. not, a, not a dicky bird. So I was really angry to start with. Uh, I was just like, how, you know, how can, I mean, eight, you know, that's nearly two decades of my life mm. um, and no one gives a shit. Uh, mm. And you know what? It's not just me. Uh, other people have, have, have said exactly the same thing. So, mm. yeah. 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 It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. It is. Yeah. Massively. Yeah. Um, so what business did you actually end up deciding going into now you're free from the job? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So I, fell into my business literally um it was never on my radar uh, um I, I kind of had decided that i wanted to do something uh which let me be creative which is why obviously previously i'd done painting and illicit therapies and things like that but um in 2016 when i was diagnosed with ptsd i needed to find a way to get better and i needed to find a way to get better as quickly as I could because I didn't want my mental health to affect my marriage or my child. I didn't give a shit about the police. It was all about my marriage and my child. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did some research online and found that a lot of, uh, uh, in America and in Canada, there were dogs used for PTSD. Mm -hmm. Um, So people, you know, people suffering with really serious PTSD in um, America, Canada were given um, trained dogs to help with that. We don't have that in the UK at the moment. Hopefully that might change at some point. Um, We have it for the armed services, but not for police officers. But I could see the benefits of having a dog. Um, And and that was that it would get me out of the house daily, which was one of my issues was that I was becoming a little bit agoraphobic. I would have um I would have some I would have a support support from an animal um that didn't talk back to me um didn't judge me didn't tell me to pull myself together um and and would would want cuddles when I needed cuddles um and we had cats but I don't know about you um, I love my cats but they're not really that cuddly really <laughs> to be honest yeah. um so I kind of let went to my husband right I want a dog and he was like you know, having a dog. And I was like, oh my God, literally. My parents wouldn't let me have a dog. My first <laughs> husband wouldn't let me have a dog. Now you're telling me I can't have a dog and I'm 42 <laughs> for the love of God, man. Um, so I, I kind of went into a bit of a meltdown and then, you know, good old cry. Uh, that usually works on a, an emotional way on your husband. And uh, he said, all right, all right. So that was a green light. And I kind of went off looking for a dog. Um, nothing nothing materialized and then I was at work one day and Jack my husband rung me and he said Sonia who's a DC over at Hatfield she's trying to get rid of her beagle and I was like get off the phone right now so I can call this woman (laughs) you know because basically my husband has found me a dog so I need you to get off the phone so I um literally rung her and said please 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 let me have first refusal and because I'd, I'd known Sonia for a while um she was like yeah so we we went around that evening as uh, my husband and my daughter and my brain was like this dog's mine you know it's it's coming <laughs> home with me but and I as soon as I met her I fell in love with her um but the but Jack was very logical well, we must go home and discuss this as a family whereas my brain was going she's mine I don't give a shit what you say <laughs> she's my dog um and uh 
uh, we got home and my world completely collapsed because my daughter went, I don't want her, I don't like her. And I was like, are you kidding me? Wow. Um, so I, um, I'm very creative, as you might have realised. <laughs> so I said, let's trial her for the weekend, knowing full well she was never going home. Um, and literally within 24 hours, both Jack and I had fallen in love with her. But we didn't realise just how, um, how naughty she was. Uh, Sonia didn't tell us. And uh, God bless you, Sonia, if you're listening. But thank you anyway. <laughs> um, but she was very destructive. The first day I left her, I came home. I thought I'd been burgled. Um, she had pulled out um, the stuff behind the TV unit and chewed my husband's £350 VR headset. He'd had less than 24 hours. Oh, wow. Um, wow. My God, yeah. All that conversation, Jesus Christ! Oh and it's my a, God. it's a, it's the beagle, right? It's a yeah, beagle. yeah, 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 yeah. And then she, she just chewed everything, furniture, anything she'd get her hands on, remote controls, all in the space of twenty minutes when you leave the house. Wow. Um, so I tried to get a trainer to help us, and we literally came up against um, complete negativity around the breed. Um, mm. And basically, what do you expect? You've got a beagle. Someone laughed at me um wow. <laughs> we're trying to get her trained um i got told they were stubborn they were selfish they should never be let off lead um and and it, literally in some of the classes i got told off because she just wouldn't listen uh, and i was i was upset i was like i've got to sort this dog out otherwise my husband's gonna make me um give her up and i i'd fallen in love with her so i did what um i thought i could do which was to start retraining in dog behavior i wanted to understand her i wanted to understand why she was doing what she was doing and i wanted to be able to help her so i i started doing diplomas in dog behavior and psychology uh, and then i used youtube basically to train my dog so i tried everything and anything i could do um and then within six months, she was a completely different dog. She was off lead every day. Um, she, had, she had recall. And then I started to think, oh, this, this could be a business. Mm, <laughs> love it. Um, yeah. Um, and I thought, I'd love to do this every day. And so I started to advertise my services in my local area. And I, and I ended up training anything from oh my god pugs to frenchies to labradors but i kept thinking about the beagles i was just like you know i really want to help other people um with this breed i don't ever want anyone to come up against the negativity i did mm. um and it was buzzing around in my head just buzz 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 and i had dinner with a, a really good friend of mine called kate rain and mm -hmm. i talked to her about everything that was going on she was like oh my god you have to speak to Alex. I was like, who's Alex? <laughs> Who the hell's this bloke? You know? She's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him to email you and to call you. And then she, she sat me down and talked to me all about shifts to success. And, and she was like, Alex, we love your idea. I was like, okay, all right. All right, I'll talk to this chap. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, but I was, just, I, I was just like, yeah, but do you know what? If, if, uh, I, I didn't know what to expect when I first spoke to you. Mm. Um, I kind of thought you were going to turn around and tell me I was completely nuts um, <laughs> and you should you should come up with a different business idea but when you actually turned around to me and went oh my god that is just an amazing idea mm -hmm. I was like if you'd been in the room I'd have hugged you I literally <laughs> would have hugged you um, and then I was like right here's my credit card <laughs> put me on this process um, and oh my god uh just uh, just the best thing i've ever done and i can't thank you enough alex because my life's completely changed 
Oh, that's amazing. It's been an absolute pleasure seeing you grow. Um, so, so with the, this amazing business that you've now got, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you're, you're much in a happier place. Who would mm. you say is your, you know, it's quite obvious, but your typical customer is going to be uh, beagle owners, right? Or yeah. Yeah, beagles yeah. that are naughty and, and they're... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I think one of the, the reasons why I hadn't gone down the route was how on earth do I get beagle owners to know who I am? Mm. Um, you know, beagles are not in everybody's home, unlike a cockapoo. Um, <laughs> you know, if, you know, if there's anyone out there that wants to be niched in cockapoos, you can make a bloody fortune, people. You know, but, <laughs> but in beagles, no, I just, you know, in, I'd only met a handful of them in, in my hometown of Stevenage. So how the hell was I supposed to get my name out there? Mm. So that was one of the reasons why I needed um, help really mm. and he did a bit of guidance on how to do that great great mm. okay and with regards to um the problems with your dog um mm -hmm. were they when you started you know actually starting doing do research and maybe speaking to other people did you notice common themes with other beagle dogs mm. yeah yeah basically um uh and the main, the main, the main themes with beagle owners um, or oh, beagles is separation anxiety, which is where they don't like to be um, on their own from their owners, mm. or, or left alone at all. Um, uh, aggression. So, although beagles are on or on most sites as being friendly, they do have really big issues around resource guarding, and people don't understand that, so they end up getting bitten quite a bit. Mm. Um, and uh, recall. So most people are told from day one do not ever let your beagle off but beagles are hunting dogs they've got to be off lead they've got to be um using their noses you know i've just come back from a walk uh, an hour's walk where they've been off lead the whole time and now they'll be they'll be beautifully behaved mm. so uh that i mean i've got i've got a bit of a hashtag which is get beagles off lead because that's my passion to get mm. as many of them off lead so yeah those are those are the kind of things i work with I love it. I love it. And by, you know, working with your customers, um, the beagles that might be a nightmare for them, they actually mm. become the best friends that a lot of owners mm. want, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's wonderful to work with people who are at the point of giving up. Um, and then I'll get feedback from them maybe two, three, four weeks later saying, just a completely different dog i can't you know i can't thank you enough we were going to give her up for adoption and that is why i wanted to get into this because beagles are one of the most rehomed um dogs uh because of their behavior and just by educating people educating them about just tiny little things it's not massive tweak you know it's just tiny tweaks that you need to do um and i've managed to um keep people keep beagles in their homes which is really important that's phenomenal. I mean, you know, how does that make you feel? You've gone from, you know, being, you know, not liking your job in the police, you know, <laughs> yeah. having a lot of, you know, issues in that role um, to now you're being paid mm. to solve yeah. people's <laughs> problems yeah. in the, in the dog industry, Beagle specific, mm. and you're getting feedback. Like you've saved my dog from going to home. How does mm. on, a, on a deep level, how does that make you feel? Oh my God. I don't know how to describe it really. Um, it's fulfilled a part of my, my um, personality that I've always, always needed to, to work with, which is why I joined the police, you know, helping people. Um, so this definitely fit, fulfills that need that I have. Um, 
But the difference is, is that I'm dealing with positivity 99% of the time. Um, Whereas in the police, I was dealing with negativity 99% of the time. Um, So yeah, it's just, it's, oh my God, I can't even describe it. It's the best thing in my life. I actually put a post on my page and my group yesterday saying I have the most awesome life ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's phenomenal. And, you know, I've seen your group. I think uh, your group is one of the most active groups I've seen. I think you have about 3,500 members and climbing every single day. Um, And since June, I believe you've helped approximately 2,500 people with their beagles, either face-to-face or online. Um, For for those who are listening, because your group is pretty amazing. How do you, how do you keep your you know, your tribe and, you, you know, the people who follow you engaged, you know, what tips could you give around that? Uh, you have to be active daily um, and at least once or twice a day. Um, and it's very much what you've, you've been saying to us all along is that it's that know, like and trust thing. So um, if, if you uh, don't like video, you're going to have to get over it because m- more and more people want to see who you are. They want to see the genuine side of you, the authentic side of you. So every day my guys get a video from me, either um, my thoughts for the day or they'll get um, training tips um, for the day. Uh, and also um, I've started to build a lot of YouTube videos. So if people come to me with problems, I can literally just refer them to my YouTube. Um, but the thing I do is I give massive amounts of value. So I, I'm go- you know, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I've probably spent f- maybe four hours a day on social media where I'm not getting paid, mm-hmm. um, but um, I'm giving people what they need. And in return, I'm getting massive fans who are then referring me to people that are giving me paid work. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm also helping a lot of people, um, not even, you know, I'm not even speaking to some of these people, but they're, they're contacting me and saying, you know, I, I tried what you said in your video and it works and it's just amazing, thank you so much. So yeah, you have to be active. And I wouldn't just say, pick one social media facebook has worked really well for me really well the others not so much but i still have been getting work from linkedin uh tiktok instagram and what's the other one twitter so i've had work from all of them now wow so yeah i would definitely recommend it you can't be shy <laughs> you have got to, you have got to be out there all the time because if they don't know who you are then they don't know what you're offering that's mm. that kind of thing really amazing great advice and you know would you say there's a difference from doing your first video to now doing what <laughs> yeah. you do in your group can you see a difference in yourself oh my god yeah how embarrassing Jesus. yeah yeah i was very wooden to start with um but who cares you know uh get it out there um mm. and then as you do it more and more and more you become a hell of a lot more relaxed and now i chat to people like they're in my front room um mm. I am a little worried about doing it face to face because uh, at some point I'm hoping to do some speaking work. Um, but yeah, uh, the thing is, you've got, you've got, for me, I use my phone. So it's easy. There's no one looking at me. It's just me. So yeah, I, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely got easier. I can say that. Brilliant. And you've mentioned, you know, um, about keeping beagles um, out of homes because their owners aren't giving up on them now due to mm. learning from you. Um, and I think you've positioned yourself 
great as well by the way with with the beagle lady that's that's mm. your that's your personal brand and which mm. is grown phenomenally and um, you was actually contacted by the beagle welfare mm. yeah yeah what, yeah what, what was that conversation like <laughs> so i've had a couple of um messages from people that work for beagle welfare that have um one was just a massive thank you um just to say that they are very confident that i have prevented beagles being uh, given to them for adoption and they're also um they also believe that it's prevented uh, dogs being returned to them so they'll they'll re so what happens with beagles a lot is they sort of bounce from owner to owner and then they end up getting given back to beagle welfare in between mm. um and the main one is the resource garden and because of my um, my videos and bits of bobs I've done on resource garden, they've said it's been amazing that the amount of beagles that have not been returned has decreased massively. Uh, and they now refer every single one of their clients to me. So, wow. yeah, they say, right, go on the beagle, go on Facebook and tap in the beagle lady um, and then follow her. So, yeah, that's where I'm getting a lot of my clients from now as well amazing and you know having an organization organization like that to, to refer mm. you is, is is awesome yeah. um great okay um i'm interested to know what you think about this now you've mentioned some skill sets that have stood out for me and i've been i've been making notes you mentioned you <laughs> are good at decision making uh, mm. which is a key skill i think you know um, a lot of entrepreneurs and ceos uh, should have um mm. and also i've noticed that you've been able to uh, influence and persuade from the husband your daughter and the job um what other skill sets um, do you believe from being a police officer to now being a you know, full-time business owner? What skill sets do you believe you've transferred into the business world? Uh, definitely communication. Um, when I joined the job, my, I was very shy and my communication skills was, was minimal. But one of the things you had to learn really rapidly in the police service was communication and changing your style of communication to whoever you were talking to mm -hmm. so it wasn't just the same thing and i think that has massively helped me um in uh, my business because i'm not afraid to talk to anybody mm -hmm. i don't have i actually quite like talking to people even though as an introvert I, I like my own space when i'm in that zone i absolutely love it i love talking to people and that has definitely come from the police um the other thing I would say I've, I've taken away is um, is a strategy and being able to put things together because when um, when we used to do briefings and things like that, we would have a um, we would have to brief to our officers and bits and bobs and you had to make sure that you know things like health and safety were covered and and bits and bobs really like that. So I find that that's helped me. Um, and I would uh, probably the last thing I would say is that uh, I've spoken to quite a lot of police officers that say to me, I can't, I can't do anything else, Kelly. Uh, you know, this is all I know. And I'm like you, I just list all of the benefits that they, they can bring from their, from their learning into the business world. You know, mm. we have, um, you know, we, we have to be quite, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We have to be, um, oh God, I can't think what it is now. But you know, when you you can't, you've got to be strong um, as a police officer. Resilient. You have to be, yeah, that's the word. Yes, absolutely. You have to be, re be resilient, and that's something that we've learned in the police service. Um, and also, 
you know, we, we've dealt with a lot of negativity. So that, that kind of helps when people say no to us as mm. a business owner, you kind of go, Oh, okay. All right. We'll move on to the next one. So yeah, mm-hmm. our, the police service has definitely given me massive amounts of skills to become an entrepreneur. Definitely. Phenomenal. Um, and as a result of from, you know, it's amazing to see you grow from when you first joined Shift Success. How, how does your life and business now look like from where you were from, you know, just starting, you know, with um, coming out of the police, just starting this idea to now, you know, nearly 12 months on. Mm. how does your life look like now oh my god it's completely different <laughs> it's so different um I, I was making pocket money back then you know um just just a few hundred pounds um and now i'm in the thousands with my um with my earnings with regards to training and that is because uh you can't do this on your own you really can't you need to have mentors or coaches because without them and without you guys and everybody that works on Shift to Success, I wouldn't be where I am now. Uh, I've learned so much. Um, and it's, it's yeah, I, I'm a completely different person. My mindset is different. Uh, I know, I know that if I hadn't have come to Shift to Success or even found a mentor, I would have given up on the Beagle idea. It would have, I would have gone, nah, that's never going to work. But having you tell me it was going to work, I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and niching, oh, my God, it's just the best thing ever. Um, and, and it's not just for me. It's my clients are telling me this as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that I know their breed inside out um, and I have experienced every single one of the problems that they have between the two beagles I have now because I adopted another one seven months ago, Billy. Mm-hmm. Um that gives me some credibility as well uh, and they and they are just love the fact that there is a trainer dedicated to that one breed so yeah if you're thinking about it niching is definitely the way forward incredible absolutely amazing hey kelly what would you say is one of the biggest highlights for you in your entrepreneurial journey so far there's something that stood out you think wow this is this has happened mm, wow um wow I don't, I, I haven't had anything massive, 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 but I, I would say that every time someone says yes to me, mm. um, I still get so bloody excited. I could run around the room, you know, <laughs> um, yes, someone wants me. Yes. Yes. Someone wants me to help them train their beagle. Um, and having the confidence to, to realize that I give massive amounts of value to people and that means not selling myself short which is what I was doing I was I was I was saying oh do you know what you know so and so down the road is charging 150 quid I'll go do the same Mm. um and now I'm not charging I'm charging well three four five hundred percent more than that um Mm. and people are paying and that's 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 a mindset that you guys have given me definitely incredible amazing um what's your vision for the future kelly you know you've, you've, you're on this journey <laughs> to you, take you, over the world <laughs> <laughs> you, you're growing at a, a phenomenal rate um where do you see yourself in the next five years where do you really want to take your company oh wow i've got so many big dreams it's unbelievable mm. um so my i want i want to be on crafts I want to, I don't know what I want to do on crafts, but I want to, I want to be like a presenter or something, or, you know, you know, get in the main arena and talk about beagles because there is hound day at crafts, which 
is what beagles are. Um, I, uh, I definitely want to have a global um, company. So online training is something that I am focusing on quite heavily to try and help people abroad. Uh, I want to be able to travel really and <laughs> talk about beagles. <laughs> um, so yeah, I do. I have a huge, a huge amount of ideas that I want to be able to do with my business. Um, write, write books, uh, lots of different things really. So yeah. Yeah. And I, and I do, I think one of the things uh, I was saying this to my husband this morning, we live in the most amazing time. You know, we have internet, we have social media. I know for a fact that I wouldn't be as far forward in my business if it wasn't for either of those two things, because back well, I don't know, 20 years ago, you had to, you had to advertise in magazines and in papers and you had to, you know, try and get flyers out there. This is just an amazing time to be an entrepreneur. It really is, um, and it, you know, you can make you could, you can, you can. It takes five years to build a business, apparently, but with internet and social media, you can smash that much easier, much mm. much easier. Completely agree. Amazing, mm. um, Kenny. What I always like to do on these podcasts is is ask one final question um, to to our to our guests. Um, what does entrepreneurship mean to you? <laughs> freedom massive freedom um i have uh, a work-life balance now which the police service pretend that they give you but they certainly don't give you it and um, so for me i take my child to school every day i pick her up i see her in the evenings now and i rarely work weekends so I, that's that was a massive part the other thing for me is there's no one telling me what to do there's no one telling me you can earn this amount of money. There is no ceiling on my potential, um, either through my earning potential or through what I can achieve. Uh, and also, it's for me, entrepreneurship is about taking an, taking an idea and making it into something. And also having, having something that you love and creating work a business out of it and earning money and paying bills from it and that was what entrepreneurship has always been for me it has to be something that i love and i, I finally finally found something that i truly love and adore and um, and wouldn't give it up for the world kelly win the beagle lady and if you want to connect with kelly you can do so via her facebook group which is under the beagle lady or check her out on instagram again under her name kelly win or the beagle lady or you can connect with her on LinkedIn under Kelly Wynn. And if you own a Beagle, then check out our website, which is www.thebeaglelady.co.uk, and you can take her Beagle scorecard quiz. As always, thanks for listening, and I will see you on the next episode.